You're listening to The Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast. Welcome to this latest episode of The Whole Truth podcast. I'm Paul Armstrong. I just had a great chat with Darren Gordon. Darren's the Managing Director of Centaurus Metals. Centaurus has what the world wants, lots of nickel sulphides. Many of you might remember an old phrase or an advertising slogan, oils ain't oils. The world's moved into lithium batteries and it's now a case of nickels ain't nickels. Darren's nickel, or rather Centaurus's nickel, is what uh, the EV manufacturers and battery manufacturers want. Perfectly suited for lithium batteries, and Centaurus has lots and lots of it nestled away in a project called the Jaguar Project in Brazil. Darren assures me it's not called Jaguar because of the link to the car, but nonetheless, the car market is his market, and he's been telling me why Jaguar stands to make so much money for shareholders. The share price has been sold off, he believes that's a great entry opportunity. It turns out that broker Canaccord agrees with him having set a price target in a recent note of $1.60 compared to Centaurus's current share price of about 70 cents. It was a very interesting chat and for those of you interested in mining, EVs and batteries, it'll give you a great insight into where Darren and Centaurus is going to. So Darren, they say that opportunity is a uh, is born in adversity. You've had a bit of adversity in the share price sense, haven't you? That, that stocks come off. Um, not that you're alone. Every base metal stock's been sold off of late. But uh, is that where the opportunity is? Oh, I think absolutely, mate. It's um, you know we feel our project's worth an enormous amount of value to shareholders and new investors. But you know the broader macro right now is making it difficult for a lot of people and. Um, Therein lies the opportunity. So, you know, with the market cap of sort of 300 million bucks, there's, there's enormous value to be had for investors right here. And to put that in context, that market cap was over $500 million, wasn't it? The stock was $1.10. It's now, what, circa 70 cents? Yeah, look, I think, you know, we're middle of last year, we were probably closer to $1.30, $1.40. Um, and... I actually talked to this the other day at the annual general meeting. You know, we look back for when we did the scoping study uh, a couple of years ago and you look at, you know, the resource was half of what it is now. Um, You look at where metal prices were, they're actually lower then than where they are now and yet we've pretty much got the same market cap, slightly higher, but, you know, in the, the amount of value that we've added over the last couple of years is definitely not reflected in where we're sitting from a market cap perspective today. So that's where that disconnect comes in, I suppose, from an investor's perspective. You could take a view that uh, it's been sold off and that hurts, no doubt about it, fallen by circa 50%, but in return, you've added more value to the project. As you say, metal prices are higher than they were then. So the argument goes, if it was a if it was a buy then, it must be a better buy now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what we're trying to convince people of is that, you know, Look at where we were. We had you know, half a million tonnes of contained nickel. We now got nearly a million tonnes of contained nickel. We've lifted the measured and indicated component of the resource by 75%. Um, we've now got nearly 750,000 tonnes contained in measured and indicated resources. That's all going to feed into the feasibility study. It's pretty much going to be all open pit. We've created and demonstrated, I think, that we're going to have a very long mine life here. You know, you can look at the the low emissions that you're going to get from the renewable sources of power in Brazil. And, you know, all of these factors play into the fact that we think we've de-risked this project enormously, yet here we are today and we've got the same 
market cap in you know broad terms as where we were two years ago. Now, in the old days with oil, there used to be an expression, you know, oils aren't oils, I think a very mm-hmm. famous advertising slogan. It's the case in nickel, isn't it? Nickels ain't nickels. Uh, not all nickel is going to be suitable for a lithium battery. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, we're in, in a prime position having a nickel sulphide resource. Um, there's a lot of nickel that's going into what they call class two, um, you know, coming out of Indonesia, nickel pig iron, ferro-nickels, you know, feeding the stainless steel industry, and that's fine. You know, it's it's definitely needed. But if you want to be putting nickel into a uh, lithium-ion battery, you know, nickel sulphide is going to have the lowest carbon footprint. Um, it's the easiest path to get nickel into that battery. And, you know, we feel like that we've got something really special in the Jaguar project because of the size and scale and the fact that it is one of the very rare undeveloped nickel sulphide projects going around. Now, is it just coincidence, Darren, that it's called Jaguar and you want to supply nickel for lithium batteries? Is that reverse <laughs> engineered, mate, or is that is just sheer luck? Sheer luck, I would say, Paul. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very nice project, obviously, you know, brought about by, you know, Vale having it in the first place. It was called that in the first place, but, yeah, maybe serendipitous. You can't claim, you can't no. claim stroke of genius or no. foresight there? No, not at all. So how do you know what this nickel is going to be any good for lithium batteries? Look, I mean, everyone, everyone with a nickel fine would say that, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, look, I think if you've got a nickel sulphide resource, they probably would say that that can go into the battery space pretty comfortably. But what we're doing and taking our product through and not just stopping with a nickel concentrate, you know, you look at most of the players here in Australia, they'll produce a, a nickel concentrate, um, you know, go off to a smelter and, you know, they'll wear a 25% payability haircut on, on that. Uh, product going in. We're saying we're going to take that concentrate, we're going to value add that, we're actually going to produce a nickel sulphate and I guess the jury is pro- was probably out for a period of time but we've now completed our pilot plant test work, we've now actually produced nickel sulphate, we've demonstrated the product that has come out is very uh, high quality, you know, battery grade nickel sulphate, you know, four nines uh, product. So, you know, that's something that the, the OEMs, battery makers are going to be you know, scrambling to get hold of. Um, so we feel like we've done enough test work now to actually demonstrate that the the model that we're chasing and the fact that we are value-adding is, is, I guess, being vindicated through the work that we've done. And when you say four nines, what the hell does four nines <laughs> Yeah, so basically it's just all of your impurities in your product. So it's at 99.99% purity, so you've, you've got less than 100 parts per million um, in your in your impurities, right. so, so so you so you know you've got this nickel. You know you've tested it to the nth degree that it's suitable for lithium batteries. That's beyond all doubt. Now you have got lots of it. It's big, yep. no doubt about it. It's got scale. Yep. Uh, and uh, so the question becomes: to are the lithium battery makers, the car makers, knocking the door down? Um, probably not knocking the door down. And I think that's a, a function of the history of how we acquired this project. You know, obviously it was something we picked up from Vale, you know, three odd years ago. Um, at the time we did that deal, they retained offtake rights. And I think to a large part, the OEMs probably understand that that's the case. And so, you know, we've got to obviously deal with the situation of Vale's offtake in the first instance. Ultimately, the nickel that comes out of this project is going to an OEM somewhere. Um, whether it goes direct from us or whether it goes 
through Vale, you know, then picking up the product and moving it into an end user, it's it's still going to end up in a in a battery it's somewhere. It's going to go from the Jaguar nickel deposit owned by Centaurus into a battery in a car. Absolutely. Regardless of which route it takes. Now, yep. But under that agreement with Vale, they have to pay the market price, don't they? So yep. you all go up and down with the market price. So if the price does what the analysts say it's going to do over the next few years on the back of the whole energy transition, then you would expect you would benefit richly from that. Is, oh, that, is that a fair conclusion? Yeah, no, look, it is. We, you know, the, the whole premise with Vale is that we have arm's length market-based pricing concepts built into the offtake that we will need to put together. Um, you know, we're talking to Vale about that right now. Um, the fact that we've been able to finish our pilot plant, get the product, have the spec, um, gives us a lot more impetus to be able to sort of advance those conversations now that we're in that position. Um, before that, it was a little bit more difficult to achieve that because, you know, Marla didn't know what they were actually getting. So, you know, I, f- I feel collectively between us and them, we're in a much better position to now go and sort of nut through this offtake agreement. And, you know, we've got to look at what the OEMs and, you know, how other people are trying to play that sulphate space uh, to determine what that pricing is going to look like. And that's going to be the next little challenge that we go through. So you're working hand in glove with Vale, really, aren't you, on the offtake? I mean... Yep. You, you've got the knowledge that the customers want. You've got the product. Uh, it's really a, a joined effort, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've we obviously been talking to them for some time. We've known that they had the offtake rights. Um, you know, we didn't have the product spec, so, you know, it's been in a really important step. And maybe the market hasn't picked up on that as much as what we have internally, that, you know, getting that product, getting that spec, having that clarity is very important. Um but yeah, now the conversation also with them has probably uh, slowed a little bit in the last few months because they've been doing a sell down of their base metals business. So they're trying to divest ten percent of that base metals business, trying to get some you know significant capital into that base metals business um, that they may ultimately spin out, um, and that's really slowed uh, where we've been. But I think the combination of them getting to a point now where that's coming closer to fruition. Um, and they should have an answer out in the in the third quarter there. And we have also been able to produce the product and the spec, and so we can actually drive this offtake conversation a lot more uh, robustly now. So if you put together those issues, the sell-off and the share price, then you say we've made all this progress on establishing that our nickel is exactly what you need for lithium batteries. Vale has been busy doing its own work on its own housekeeping. Those things sound like they're coming together in such a way that you would hope there's a or expect there's a series of catalysts coming for the share price. Yeah, no, look, I think offtake's clearly one that everyone's, you know, waiting on. And for us to give clarity around that, I think will be um, a big impetus for the share price. Um, I think the other side of that is, well, the other key driver is probably the environmental approvals. So we're working very closely to get those environmental approvals through. Um, You know, we had the environmental agency on site this week and, you know, doing the last of their sort of work that they need to get through. So we've got a reasonably good handle. We still think that the, the key environmental approval should come through by the end of September. And, you know, combination of that with um, what we're doing with the offtake, I think, is big drivers, ultimately leading to completion of the feasibility study uh, at the end of the year. Presumably Brazil wants this project to happen, given that, you know, the country is hungry for economic growth, employment, uh, export revenue and the like? Oh, look, I think in particular in the area where we are. So 
we're in the Karajas Mineral Province. It is, you know, a very prolific mineral belt in Brazil. Vale's operated there for 50 years, but it is still, you know, a remote part of Brazil. Um, it's got a lot of infrastructure, but outside of mining, it's, you know, you're really talking farming district. So we will create an enormous amount of jobs. We'll cr- uh, create a lot of value in the local communities, um, you know, just through supply contracts and the like. So, yeah, I think putting aside what you might see at a high level, um, at a federal level in Brazil about wanting to see these sort of projects up and running, there's definitely a big driver at a local level and that's, you know, really important to us. So what happens next? If you're an investor in Centaurus, what would you be looking for? I reckon most investors are looking for what's happening with offtake. And, you know, I know we circle back on that a lot. Um, There's a whole raft of things that sort of, culminate in that coming together. So we need to have that conversation. We need to get an answer on that. Um, you know, if it's, if Vale are going to do the offtake, that's great. Um, you know, if we can talk to them about doing something else with it, that's also an opportunity. So, um, yeah, there's been conversation in the past, but as I said, right at this point in time, we're just in the process now of being able to ramp up these conversations again with Vale because they were in a much better position. They're closer to getting an answer on their own uh, sell-down process within the base metals business. So combination of those two things give me confidence that near-term use flow around that should be, you know, shouldn't be too far away. Now, people would listen to this and say, oh, well, he would say that. He's a managing director. <laughs> but I, I saw a note out the other day, a fresh note from the Breaking House of Canaccord. They've put a buy recommendation on the stock with a price target of $1.60. Yep. So even if they're half right, there's big upside there for, uh, for shareholders. Why, yeah. why do Canaccord like it? I think most of the analysts like it. You know, I, you know, Have you got several buy recommendations out there? Yeah, look, you know, Canaccord, Euros, Argonaut, Sprott, Macquarie, Baron oh, Joey. Shopping list. Yeah, yeah. You know, the people see that no projects know that this is a very good one. There is just not many undeveloped nickel sulphide projects of this scale globally. Um, there's probably one at Cabanga in Tanzania. There's, you know, that's got exceptional grade and you know, it's a great asset. But I think we would sit comfortably as a, as a the next probably best undeveloped nickel sulphide project globally. It does beg the question whether you're actually going to be around to be the developer, mm. though, doesn't it? I mean, Darren Gordon, managing director of a nickel producer, is it is that likely to happen? I mean, you've seen the the nickel consolidation happening here. I mean, Andrew Forrest obviously going hard at Mincor. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts here. They're, he obviously has a view, among others, uh, who are well known in the industry, have a view that nickel is a key part of this energy transition. Yep. Uh, as you say, there's not many of these big projects that can supply this amount of metal f- that's suitable for batteries. Yep. Um, how long do you think you can stand alone? Oh, look, I mean, I think what I would say to that is that we know that this asset is very strategic. Um, I think the outcome of the conversation with Vale will um, be part of the driver as to which direction that goes. Um, clearly, it's a great asset. Um, whether other companies perceive it that way and want to come in and sort of try to jump on that, that's up to them. We're in really sitting there right now saying we will develop this asset. And, you know, that's our sheer focus. If other things happen outside of that, okay, we'll deal with that at the time. Um, 
But, you know, we're positioning our team, you know, building that out as best we can to be in a position where we can actually go on and build this project. And, you know, I think it will generate a huge amount of cash um, once up and running. So, you know, why wouldn't we have a crack at it? It sounds like you're on the cusp of the next chapter, doesn't it? Uh, you know, mining shares and, and companies' projects go in fits and bursts. Uh, so you've had to sell off, pull the share price back, created a new opportunity of entry point for investors. Mm. Uh, the question is, you've got some action coming up. So the question for investors is, are they going to? The, are these guys under Darren's watch going to generate news flow? You've lined up, as you say, a series of catalysts that should sort of come to fruition between now and Christmas, perhaps. Yep. Uh, could be a, a very interesting six months for investors. Oh, look, I mean, I think it was good value when it was a dollar twenty or a dollar thirty. So when we're sitting at seventy cents, it's it's you know just crying out to be bought. So you know. I, I can very comfortably sit here and say that people investing at this point in time are going to be much better off in, you know, 6, 12, 18 months' time um, from a valuation point of view. We'll continue to de-risk the project. Um, and as I said, if these key catalysts come to fruition, offtake, environmental approvals, you know, strong feasibility study, then there's no reason why we're back not north of, you know, $1.50, even at $1.50, we're only six, seven hundred million market cap on something that's got nearly a million tonnes of contained nickel. And I would hazard to guess that if this project was in Australia, one, it would have already been developed, but probably the company that has it would have market cap north of a billion. I suspect we will be uh, revisiting this conversation later in the yeah, year. Yeah, well, Hopefully there's a fair bit of water gone under the bridge since then and we'll be able to... Uh, Test you on some of those things and see how the world's been been treating you. Yeah, hopefully, I, hopefully I'm vindicated in uh, in some of the statements I've made. Thanks very much, Darren. Good on you, Paul. Cheers, appreciate it. You've been listening to the Whole Truth, a Resources Rising Stars podcast, produced by Resource Media, hosted by Paul Armstrong for Reed Corporate. Please note that Reed Corporate does not provide investment advice and investors should seek personalised advice before making any investment decisions.